Support comes from Bellingham's Whatcom Museum with its historic Hall of Birds on May 31st and June 1st hosting bird taxidermist and museum preservationist Alice Markham for a weekend of events and workshops. Details and tickets at whatcommuseum.org. You're listening to Soundside. I'm Libby Denkman. Recruitment and retention are a major challenge for the Seattle Police Department. SPD has lost more officers than it has hired every year since 2020. And in 2023, Seattle had the lowest police staffing levels in the city since 1991. That's despite big signing bonuses for new officers and an active campaign by the city to recruit new hires. Observers say one reason for why this is the case could be police culture. And SPD has pledged to be more gender diverse as part of its recruitment push. But a newly released report says that despite efforts to change sexism and a persistent good old boys club may be keeping officers from promotion and out of the force completely. KUOW broke this story and KUOW online managing editor Isolde Raftery joins me now. Hi, Isolde. Welcome. Hey, Livy. So tell me about what this report is. It's a called the 30 by 30 report, right? Why is the department releasing it? What's inside of it? So the department in 2021 signed on to a national initiative called the 30 by 30 initiative. And what that means is they want um, any police department that signs on pledges to have 30 percent of their police recruit class be female by 2030. And one of the requirements of being part of this initiative is to have a study, you know, sort of a kind of bring in women from the department and interview them and submit a report. So SPD had this report created by a researcher from WSU, Washington State University, and she submitted the report to Chief Adrian Diaz in September. So can you just give us a high level summary? What is in this report? What kinds of stories were surfaced here? So the report is basically Uh, a litany of quotes from women the researcher interviewed. There are 80 different quotes, and frankly, they are all quite negative. Um, There's one positive note, which is that the younger men aren't as bad as the older men. So that is one theme, that generationally um, there is improvement. But overall, it's it's a damning report. It is not a report that reflects kindly upon Seattle Police Department's um, internal culture. So your story quotes multiple women that work or have worked at the Seattle Police Department. One mentioned that she was a patrol officer. And when she was in that role, women were socially pigeonholed into four different categories. And I'm going to read here, quote, incompetent, technically inept, shouldn't be a police officer, or scared to be on the street. A baby factory who, you know, got pregnant to get off the street quickly and then got a desk job and stayed there forever. And a slut who would sleep with anyone or just, I'm sorry to use the term, but this is a direct quote from the report, a bitch. Does that statement that I just read align with overall what you're hearing out of this report and the experience of women? It absolutely does. So the the report itself is, um, I've been hearing from women in the department that it actually is just the tip of the iceberg, that they couldn't go into more depth with more details in the report because those women would be easily identifiable. And these women fear 
And this is something they've all said to me. I'm like, what are you so scared of? And they're like, we are so afraid that they're going to stick us on some really, really lousy night shift in the worst precinct or demote us or make our lives hell. Yeah, retaliation. Retaliation that is that I have seen happen. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not a theoretical exercise that they're putting themselves through a paranoid exercise. It's real. The report, you know, there's like one example that really stood out to me that's that's a pretty it's almost benign but it's you know I think a lot of women will connect with this which is the um this crew this night shift crew of male cops would go to breakfast every morning at 5 a.m at the end of their shift and one person had to be out on patrol while they all went to breakfast and it was always the woman sure and the quote was well she was out there babysitting the city and and it just was like yeah that resonates like that sucks. And that's not even, you know, a lot of it is is much worse. You know, women who are saying, well, I, I'd like to be promoted and they're being offered a promotion, but they can't take the promotion because it involves being on patrol or overseeing a certain patrol crew um, at night. And they have a kid at home, so they can't do that because no one will be home to take care of the kids. So a lot of what they perceive as childcare, you know, related discrimination. But overall, I mean, it's just more that they feel like outsiders, like they don't feel they can sit in a certain place to eat lunch. And a lot of these people are promoted through their their very close social networks. So you see, you know, who gets promoted to be assistant chief. It's like tends to be who they were friends with back in the day when they were on patrol. Those repercussions are real. Yeah. And things are moving in the opposite direction of what SPD says they want to do, which is recruit more people overall and also recruit more women. Uh, The Stranger reported on Friday that the overall share of women officers in the department fell by 1 percent between 2017 and 2022 to 14.4 percent. Again, that's share of female officers at the Seattle Police Department. Isolde, I did some reporting on the fire department with the city of L.A. um, a few years ago, and a lot of what you're describing in this 30 for 30 report and also um, in your reporting is echoing the feeling that female firefighters shared with me, which is that they're not seen as part of the brotherhood. They're not seen as legitimate members of the force, many of them. It's not a universal feeling, but it is a near universal feeling from the folks that I spoke with. Um, What kinds of things, you know, are female officers saying needs to happen here if things are going to change and you're going to recruit more people? Absolutely. There's a request for training for women that was not granted. Um, And, you know, I don't know the the particulars of all this, right? Like, we're kind of digging in. We're trying to find out more. But I would say I am not hearing from any woman that actually knows it's great. This is a big exaggeration or anything. These like are that. outliers in this report. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not hearing that. I'm not hearing that at all. And like you think about the number of women, there aren't that many. Right. So out of 900 sworn officers, you're saying about roughly 15 percent are women. Um, and we have this 30 by 30 report that has, I think, in the the researcher didn't say exactly how many, but I think we can guess maybe 25 we're clearly talking to a lot of women. So it's like a large percentage of the women talking and sharing their experiences are saying it's not great. Mm-hmm. And I think that is something to pay attention to. And 
they're all saying also the same thing. They don't feel heard or they feel like nothing is actually being done. So, you know, text messages I got after there was a quote that we ran um, by Diaz's personal attorney, Ted Buck, saying that they're doing all these trainings. Well, the women were like, well, what trainings? I don't know about this. So maybe there are trainings, but the people we talk to don't know about them. Hmm. Were there any women who shared with you in your reporting or in this 30 by 30 report that they felt like their safety was compromised because of the treatment of women within the department? In the 30 by 30 report, there is a woman who says that Um, she describes being, I think, kind of weirdly hit on by a partner, uh, another officer. And she went to a supervisor and complained about it. And I think it took four months before anything was done. And so it was this feeling that, like, this guy has a gun and he has he knows where I live and none of this makes me feel good. So that's in the report. Hmm. So the 30 by 30 report isn't the only recent coverage of sexism and discrimination within the Seattle Police Department. Last month, a longtime police leader named Deanna Nolette filed a lawsuit against Chief Diaz and the department. What sorts of claims were contained within that lawsuit? So one of the things that uh, came up in that lawsuit was that Nolette had been invited to a football sort of game with with the others. And um, she said to Chief Adrian Diaz, according to this lawsuit, uh, hey, you know, maybe some of the women aren't going to want to play football with with the guys. And he said, well, yeah, if then that's the women... your team building exercise. Is that like very inclusive for yeah, women? Yeah, is it? And and he said, well, then the women can be cheerleaders. And it's one of those things like you could dismiss it as, oh, he was just joking. But like if you're the leader of a police department, you need to be aware that your words carry more weight than, um, say, a patrol officers. Right. So. I think that that like that definitely stood out to me in in the report. Her lawsuit definitely unleashed a ton of discussion. Um, I would say that we started hearing from people we'd never spoken to who were like, we want to talk about our story. And and they saw themselves in that lawsuit. So it definitely has created um, real camaraderie among the women in a way that they hadn't seen before, frankly. Once somebody steps out of line and speaks up, it gives some permission structure to other folks to to say something. Um, what's been the SPD response so far, Isolde? What are they saying? Well, they are saying, like, aren't we so great? We're so transparent. We're putting this report out. They put out a YouTube video um, in which one woman said, hey, you know, things used to be a lot worse and SPD's and trying to make it a better place. Um, and I, by the way, I believe that. I believe it's a lot better now than it was. But I also believe it used to be terrible. So, you know, I don't know where things are at. Um, and and they're saying they're taking this very seriously. Hmm. Do we have any sense of how these conditions outlined in the report are actually affecting recruitment. I mean, we talked at the top about this big effort 
to improve recruitment and retention at the department. It's an issue all around the country. SPD is struggling with it, along with some other major departments. Um, And they say one of the pushes will be to to add more women to the force to increase that share to 30 percent from just under 15 percent, as we mentioned. I mean, how is this culture that's been outlined by these women who are willing to speak to investigators and willing to speak to you impacting how they're going to get from A to B, from, um, you know, low recruitment right now to their goals? So about a decade ago, I was thinking of becoming a cop as a journalist. No way, really? Yeah, I wanted to go work at SPD. And I spoke with some people about it, and they said they treat their women like garbage, don't do it. And so I didn't. And so I would imagine I'm just one person, but I would imagine like a lot of people when you're thinking of changing careers, you you go ask people like, hey, yeah. so what's it like, especially what's it like in a male environment for women? Now, I was a journalist 10 years ago. You were a journalist 10 years ago. Yeah. Pretty male environment compared to today. I was going to say some of the things outlined in this report, some of the language, not something I would hear today in a newsroom, but 15, 20 years ago. Yep. Heard it all the time. Well, when I started reporting at age 22, I was told by my boss, girls don't cover cops. Mm -hmm. And so that's and now here I am talking to you on KOW, two women talking about cops. Yeah, Yeah, women do cover cops. And so, yeah, I I was like, I've been there. I know how to I know how to work within a sexist um, framework. And and yet. It just it was enough that it made me think I don't want to be out there in a dangerous situation where I might not feel like people have my back because I'm a woman. And you're just one person. I am and just that's one just person. an anecdotal experience. But you can imagine based on what is being said in this report, what's being found in as you talk to more women, that this does have an effect on folks, exactly. recruits, people who want to transfer to SPD. They're going to hear these stories because women talk. And It's in the 30 by 30 report, right? One of the women says, I would never recommend this job for another woman Mm. to another woman. You know, Isolde, uh, between hearing these experiences, the lawsuit from Dana Nolette, you know, continued low recruitment and retention numbers. The big question here is, how is Mayor Bruce Harrell going to reach his goals of recruiting hundreds more officers um, when He's facing a shortage overall nationwide and also these internal questions about culture. Um, What needs to change at the department? What are you hearing? (laughs) I I think it's a really the morale is shot over there. And I think they need to do some pretty deep introspective uh, looks. You know, they're they're mired in constantly filing anonymous complaints against each other. Um, they it, it just feels like a viper's nest over there. Mm-hmm. And granted, I'm a journalist talking to people who probably aren't very satisfied. I'm yeah, not they're talking, motivated. They're to motivated. Speak, yeah. But it's a lot of sources that we have. And I can't believe how many sources we have who are all so disgruntled and so upset. Um, and it seems kind of like they're not outliers. Yeah. Now I could be wrong, but in terms of what what should happen, I really that's not on me to say. Like I feel like I don't know how to run a big public agency, but I can tell you that whatever's happening is not good and our homicide rate is at a record high or it was last year. And there's 
a lot of crime and there's a lot of people in the city who feel like the cops aren't responding to them when they call. And you sort of start wondering, like, what is happening, folks? You know, it feels out of control over there. Um, to me, as a reporter from the outside looking in, doesn't seem great. And it seems like they might want to consider, yeah, taking a deep look at themselves. Well, and I think what's striking in this <clears throat> is... We heard in our SPD special we did recently with Amy Radel, we spoke with the head of the Seattle Police Officers Guild, the union there. And the guild is talking a lot about the politics of the city, the progressive um, uh, messaging and defund and all these things that has contributed, according to them, to losing officers. But we also heard from people like Sue Rar who are saying this is an internal workplace culture issue, too. Like when it comes to recruiting people, it has to be a good place to work overall. Um, and what I'm hearing from you is really reflective of, of that, that there needs to be a hard look at what kind of a employer is SPD and do people feel um, happy and, and fulfilled and, and like they're compensated fairly and that they are treated uh, equitably within the building. So these are questions we're going to continue asking. And I know we're going to be following your reporting and the reporting of Ashley Haruko, um, Isolde Raftery, KUW's online managing editor. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to SoundSide. This show is only possible because listeners support us. If you're able to give right now, please check out the show notes for a link to donate. And don't forget, you can listen live on KUOW 94.9 FM Seattle at noon and 8 p.m. Monday through Thursday or anytime online at KUOW.org. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network.